Welcome to Find Margins here on the Hammer Betting Network presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Be sure to check out Betfred for all of your World Cup betting needs and really all of your betting needs, not just the World Cup. Um, joined by Jacob Gramenia, Amateur Hour Sports, Alex Moreto. The trio is back. I'm back. This was a crazy ending to these games today. It yeah. was nuts that there was the possibility of fair play coming into the equation uh, in terms of yellow cards accumulated over the it's, course. It's happened of, before, by the way. That oh, got yeah. screwed by it in 2018, right? Uh, 2018 World Cup is what I'm thinking of. Japan went through their group uh, over, over Senegal, Senegal yeah. on fair play, strangely. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, I'm not a fan of the fair play. I understand that there's a lot of tiebreakers before you get to fair play. Fair play, I mean, I get it. I know why it's the last one there, but imagine that Mexico and Poland had ended up tied. And rather than it going to yellow cards, it actually goes to a coin flip. You're not telling, it's not a fair way by any stretch of the imagination to decide who should go on. But from a pure neutral entertainment perspective, I would 100% love to see a team get eliminated by a coin flip. Rob, who, so in the event of a coin flip, because it's all tied, who gets to call it in the air? How do they decide that? So technically, it's a drawing of lots, right? They don't actually flip a coin. I don't know what is entailed in the drawing of lots. I have no idea. Leave it to a fan vote. Leave it to a fan vote. I don't know either, actually. (laughs) Whichever country has the larger population moves on. Unless they're they're significantly hated by too many people because of that, too. That would be fun. Um, Listen, I, I... this is what Alex mentioned this to me off of air, off air. XG should be implemented instead of fair play. The problem is like, there's no universal standard for XG either. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good point. It, it, it's very difficult. Uh, ultimately didn't come down to that though. Saudi Arabia scores. Everyone is very confused. They thought that Mexico was done on that Saudi Arabia goal actually didn't change anything. Mexico yeah, just yeah. needed to score another goal. So that people were, were lost there, but the, the final minutes actually did matter. Uh, but overall, guys, thoughts on on Group C today? Uh, I thought Argentina looked a lot better. I think Poland's had kind of like a low key miserable tournament. They end up advancing, but uh, they do not they do not strike any fear. I, I think into the opponent that's going to get them. Yeah, I mean, this is what you want to see from Argentina, right? Like you've, I mean, and now they've got that easy draw in the in the uh, in the knockouts, right? They're playing Australia. They're going to take on the winner of Netherlands, U.S. I mean, all in all, like it hasn't been a terrible group stage for them. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction just in the case that like the first game they allowed like 0.14 expected goals. Saudi took their two chances, minimal chances. Lautaro had the goal call back in the first half for like marginally offside by like the skin of his jersey. Like, um, so, I mean, and then, you know, they took care of business against Mexico. It wasn't the prettiest game, but you know, Mexico are going to make things difficult for them. You know, those Latin American countries always play each other pretty tough. And obviously today, then it was just like, this was just pure class from them. Uh, Also like a little bit of anti-football from Poland being like, all right, basically we're just going to hope to like limit the damage here and hope that the result in the other game goes our way, which you hate to see that. It was another disappointing World Cup from Poland. Don't see them really going anywhere after this. Um, I think it's going to be one and done in the knockouts. But yeah, I mean, Argentina look very much the real deal right now. And I think there was a little bit of panic early on, but like this is... This is going to be a very fun knockout stage, especially as we start getting into the quarterfinals. Yeah, I'm. I was high on Argentina going in. We did our previews. They're my pick to win the World Cup. 
they looked like a World Cup winner today. I know it was Poland and Poland were, it was nil-nil and Poland had all 11 players behind the ball. So very anti-football, as you mentioned. I thought tactically they finally got it right with Messi, allowed him to stay centrally, pick up the ball in deeper areas and just get him on the ball and let him do his thing. He's just that good, of course. Let him manipulate the game. That's what he did. I was also convinced going into today, they're at their best with Julian Alvarez up top. And even beyond the goal, my claim on that was further solidified with their performance. So well done to them. Poland, I mean, they've always struggled at major tournaments. I think getting out of the group is a success success story for this team. They'll take that. And they knew going in that they'd have to lose significantly and Mexico win significantly. Ultimately, Kind of happened, but not really. So they get over the line. That's that's what they, they did their job. At the end of the It'll day. be interesting to see if they're like if getting the pressure off of now finally getting out of the group and avoiding another disappointment at on the big yeah. stage. Well, like maybe they'll play loose now, you know, like take, you know, just take their chances. Really, just go for it. Just have like an honest go at it against France. Put Miller or Piatek up top with Lewandowski and just like just really have a real go at France. And, you know, there's you nothing to lose right now. You have to start Milik. He's too good yes. to not start. And yes. Rob, who watches Juve all the time, can attest to that. Yeah, he can create out of nothing. I think the problem I see with Poland, though, just from a neutral, is that their midfield just gets overrun a lot. Like, there's no good link-up play there. It always just seems very disconnected. They get the ball, and they don't really know what to do with it. So I don't know that's a problem that they can solve um, by adding another striker to the mix. I mean, whether it's Lewandowski, uh, Milik, or Piantek as well, um, I, I just don't... like. There's got to be someone in the midfield that's pulling the strings, and they just don't seem to have it. Krachowiak used to be a very good player. He's Mm. completely lost it going forward now. He's basically just going to be that guy who provides cover for the back line, and he's good at that. But I think they need to get Szymanski in there. I thought he actually looked pretty decent against uh, against, in the first match against Mexico. He's having a really good season for Feyenoord. He offers a lot going forward. He could be a nice support for Zielinski there to help him transition and, you know, supply some service for the two strikers. I think that's a guy they really need to consider starting in the next match. Yeah, I mean, even even like Zielinski, right? And I, I watch a lot of Italian soccer. With Napoli, he tends to play higher up the pitch than he's playing with Poland, right? He's he's kind of like has to play almost like a holding midfielder role every now and then or or... or he's involved much more defensively than you typically see it with Napoli who has a, as a better midfield as a whole. So it it just doesn't seem like they have it. I mean, it's the world cup. We've already seen crazy results and we saw that this morning, right. With Australia upsetting Denmark, moving on uh, to the next round. Um, I I saw your tweet this morning, Alex, about like, if I would have picked one team who wouldn't have made it out of the group stage prior to the tournament, it would have been Australia. Yeah. Um, has that has your opinion of the of that team changed at all in watching a few games that you think they're no. just a sitting duck next round? No. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be it's going to be a massacre. Like all due respect to them, they're going to get massacred by Argentina. Um, fair play to them. They they made it out of the group. They did what they had to do. It was never pretty by any means. I think like largely they were outplayed by Tunisia. I think that was reflected in the expected goals. I mean wasn't as bad today, but Denmark have shown absolutely nothing. Denmark are right there with Belgium. Two teams we'll talk about too, that for like, there's just the most disappointing teams of the tournament. They've just, Mm -hmm. neither of those teams have shown anything. Um, I think maybe we underestimated a little bit the home field advantage that Denmark had in the Euros in, uh, in 2020 or 2021, I guess, where like they were playing those games, those group games in Copenhagen. I think that maybe helped quite a bit, but I mean, we talked about how they had no informed striker going into the tournament and that showed it's just been it's it was really bad they deserve to go out like they absolutely deserve to go out 
at least they could have had one last contribution to this tournament by scoring a goal and helping Tunisia go through. But nonetheless, here we are. A lot of the chances fell to Skull Volson again today. I talked oh about him last time. Like, that guy stinks, man. I don't know how that guy is starting for that national team. I don't get it. I agree. Fully agree. <laughs> um, France plays the like basically the B squad today as a whole, um, which honestly, on paper, is still a pretty damn good squad when you yeah. look at France is so deep, man. People don't really realize that. Even considering the amount of players that have missed the tournament, they could put together like a third tier squad that could compete for the World Cup, I think. Like they're they're really good squad. Uh overall, not really much to take away from that game, um, just because of the backups. But I will say this, just speaking to France as a whole, and we talked about this, we we pretty much, listen, we pat ourselves on the back when we're right, and already the chat, you know, the 0-0 halftimes, correct scores, fire, we do, you know, we give ourselves props when, <laughs> when we predict things correctly. This group, we got entirely wrong, I think, um, just in, in talking about a pre-tournament, expected Australia to go down, expected somebody to compete with France, um, France looks like they look like a powerhouse, even with the missing players, in my opinion. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. Yeah, they, I wouldn't. They, so go ahead, Jacob. I, I, this game, obviously, it was their B squad. I, I feel like this doesn't do any harm to them. I, if anything, it kind of maybe even helps them in a strange way because it just shows vulnerability to the players that you still have to go out and earn those victories. And they were, I, I believe that should have ended in a draw. I do not think that was offside. Obviously, he was in an offside position, but I think it was a different phase after the defender heads it, to, heads it to Griezmann. If anything, France know that you never know what can happen, so they're going to come out firing, and I think they have a perfect matchup in the round of 16 to do that. Yeah, I'm really disappointed, though, with, with how poor they look today. Like, you figure, I mean, I know they're rotating their players and there's nothing to really play for, but, like, these are guys who are essentially fighting for spots off the bench in the knockout stages. And like, they're just showing nothing. I mean, Kamavinga was brutal. They targeted him clearly from the start. Wow. Uh, I, was he, he was at left back, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like fair play to Tunisia. I mean, Kazri, they, they had a really good showing at this tournament. I felt they deserved a lot better. They were really good against Denmark. Could have potentially won that game in the first match. I mean, they had their chances. Maybe if Kazri's playing, it's a different yeah, story. I was going to say that. They, they dominated Argentina. We're really unlucky not to at least get a result there. And then they go and beat France. I mean, this is one of the better performances that just isn't rewarded. You have teams like Poland going through on four points who did absolutely nothing. And you have teams like Tunisia who looked really good going out on four points. So it just shows how harsh this tournament can be sometimes. Yeah, just going to correct you, Alex. You said Argentina by accident there. He meant to say Australia, but My it, bad. it is what My it bad. is. What it is. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, let's get into uh, tomorrow's games. So we have Group E and Group F going on tomorrow. Uh, I'll slowly bring it up here. Um, obviously, the, the the you know game starting at the same time. So we got the 10 a.m. Easterns being Morocco and Canada. Canada officially eliminated from the World Cup. And then we have Croatia and Belgium. Just taking a look at the group odds right now. Uh, Croatia is favored to win the group at minus 110. Uh, Morocco plus 200. 
Belgium plus 275 odds courtesy of Betfred. Uh, to qualify though, Morocco heavy, heavy, heavy favorites at minus 900 to qualify. Croatia minus 300. Belgium at plus 125. So we could be looking at a knockout round without Belgium. Um, I'll start with you, Jacob. Anything in these two matches, the early ones, um, that you want to break down or, or catches your eye in terms of a uh, value perspective? Well, as far as Belgium goes, I, I think that if we reverse the order of their matches, then we kind of treat them like Argentina. Because Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia in the first game. Granted, they looked pretty good and there was two crazy goals from Saudi Arabia that win that game. But like Belgium can still can still honestly win this group here if they just win this game against Croatia. We saw with Argentina today where they looked they didn't look good against Mexico. They did get over the line. Belgium didn't look good against Canada. They get over the line. Very lucky to do so, but they win that game 1-0. This is pre-tournament. Definitely a tough matchup for Belgium, but you would pre-tournament you would have expected Belgium to beat Croatia. So if they can just do that and sort through all of the the issues with the team that extend far beyond the pitch, it seems, they're still going through in this tournament. And with the quality of players they have, then they're still a threat. And I think Roberto Martinez, as much as adjustments aren't really his thing, I can't see a reality where he doesn't make adjustments here, get De Bruyne more central, Mm -hmm. give him more of an attacking, more ability to take people on and just have the ball in between the defensive and midfield lines. Sort of what Messi's done today, how they got Messi more involved get De Bruyne in that situation. Now, do I think they're going to do that? No, but I think it's, I don't think we're giving them enough credit for the fact that they can still get out here. As far as the Morocco-Canada game, this one's difficult. If I was going to handicap this, I would gamble on Canada perhaps rotating more in this one, knowing Mm -hmm. they're out and just providing a lot of the players who have earned the right to be at the World Cup and who have showed really well in qualifying because there was tons of rotation in the qualifying uh, all the games that Canada played in qualifying. Maybe John Herman goes deeper to the bench. Maybe that provides an edge for Morocco, who probably need to win this game. I think that would be a strategy I look at for betting. I, I want to start there with you, Alex, because I was I was going to ask that question. I think it's an interesting one. I have some thoughts on that. Whether or not we do th- see Canada field a different lineup tomorrow and start to rotate some players in who maybe didn't get, you know, who, who contributed, let's say, to getting to the World Cup, but haven't seen as much action what do you expect in terms of what lineup john herdman will field tomorrow yeah i mean it's a fine line between you know giving these guys an opportunity and also still playing for like a little bit of pride here you want to salvage something you don't want to go out with zero points if you can avoid it um i do think that we will see a few guys that we haven't seen yet perhaps at this point um but for the most part i think you know the guys that that got them there have been the guys who we've seen for the most part so far. And I think those are the guys that are going to continue to at least play or start this match. Um, I, I, I don't know. Has Herdman said anything about Eustachio? Is Eustachio supposed to play tomorrow? I haven't seen Is anything. he healthy enough? Yeah, because I haven't seen anything know. either. So, I mean, maybe there's a change there or something like that. Um, I could see him, you know, deciding to give Hoylet to start this time. They'd be playing David uh, Davies in a little bit uh, of a deeper role. But for the most part, I think we're going to see largely the same Canada team we've seen so far and against the Morocco side that obviously has a lot to play for. I mean, I'm so incredibly torn right now because I'm sitting on a Morocco to win the group at a little over 10 to one. And how do you cheer against Canada? But like at the same time, Canada's done, like do me a solid maybe right now. I don't know. So I I can see this ending in a draw though. You know, like Canada are still going to bring, 
you know, a lot of intensity to this match and they obviously don't want to go home with nothing. And Morocco, just the fact that they can get through with the draw here is so big for them. And it's, it's so big for that nation that I don't think we're going to see them be too adventurous going forward. Um, but, and to your point, Jacob, about Belgium, I just think that this is, I think this is a completely dead team. I mean, I, I think they're different from Argentina in the sense that like, they haven't even created a full expected goal yet in a game at this World Cup. They've just offered nothing going forward. Their midfield has been brutal. Um, obviously, there's talk of dysfunction in the team. I'm not sure how they can compete in the midfield against uh, against Croatia. And then, you know, when you're talking about going up against that back line, Guardiola has been an absolute horse of this tournament. He's a great defender. <laughs> I just I think that Belgium are completely dead right now. Um, the price on Croatia is you can understand it, just the respect still given to Belgium because they are capable of turning it on on any given day. I think this is a completely dead team. I think Croatia at, you know, plus 165 right now on Betfred is a very, very strong look. We saw a big Rom come off the bench uh, for Belgium for play about 30 minutes last game. Uh, potentially has more in him for this game, which I think would be, a, you know, the one thing I can remember about Belgium and seeing some starts and, and Lukaku playing all over Europe, or particularly when he had that great campaign with Inter, he's not that player anymore, but He's the type of guy that can just change a game with with one or two chances, right? And I I, I didn't feel the same with Batshuayi up up front. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did score in this tournament, but I think it's just a different breed of striker. If Lukaku can even play a full half, who knows if he's even fit to start potentially? But I think that that transforms the Belgium team if he's in the lineup. Yeah, if he's playing at less than 100%, though, like, we don't know. I can't imagine he's even close to 100%. So, like, I just don't know how effective he'll actually be. And when you're talking about that, now you have to also factor in the fact that he's probably going to get limited service. Like, he's really going to have to convert the few chances he gets. I just don't see it changing all that much. I, I really just think this is a bad Belgium team. Maybe I'm biased in the sense that I have, like, that, you know, plus 550 and I'm not to make it out of the group. And I really just want to see that home. But... I think they just, this is like a Denmark situation where they just look completely dead to me. And I don't trust Roberto Martinez whatsoever. And this is probably their toughest match of the group stage now too. I just touching on Roberto Martinez for me, like this Belgian team is still really good and teams, you can have a couple bad games in a row. It's just a, it's a damn shame when it happened to the world cup, when the margin for error, error, excuse me, is so small, but there's, there's still high quality players in this team. I like if he drops Alderweireld and Vertonghen goes with a younger cast of center backs who who have some talent here. We spoke about it uh, going into the tournament. We spoke about it with, with Drunken Goon as well. You talked about how maybe they should be going with a younger cast. I think they overreacted to the Egypt loss pre-tournament, which was a friendly, and dropped a lot of people from that. I, I think if they could revert back to some of the players that played in that match, they could find more success. But again, like getting De Bruyne central. We spoke about yesterday dropping Hazard, who's been a disaster at this tournament, and he's only playing because of his name, to be honest. So if he makes the tough decisions, and do you know what? I think his job is on the line here. He's got nothing to lose. We'll see if he goes with that. Yeah, see, but that's what I mean by I don't trust him. Like, I don't trust him to make those changes. And if he does, full credit to him. Like, there's absolutely Great, yeah. a lot of talent. Yeah, no, you're can't right. I just there's can't absolutely... really disagree with that. Yeah. But I, I just think job is on the line. Like, Roberto, you, you got to do something, man. You can't yeah. do this again. <laughs> I mean, but when you look at even their recent results, like even in the Nations League, they lost both games against the Netherlands. They beat they, they only really beat Poland, um, and they, I think they beat Wales as well. But, like, they just haven't been impressive. They lost their friendly. It's just I think this has been trending for a while now, and – I mean, maybe he does, you know, bring the Ketelare on. Maybe he does bring some of the other guys on. But I think that 
this is a case of like, he's going to just go down with the guys that got him here and the guys that, you know, got them there in 2018. And he's just going to hope for the best. And I mean, if these reports are true, there's obviously no way that we can ever verify these, but like Courtois and De Bruyne aren't talking and like Batshuayi and Lukaku aren't talking. Like there's it just sounds like a complete mess right now. Yep. Um, We'll come back. We'll circle back to this at the end of the show when we talk about our favorite bets uh, on the board tomorrow, but let's get into the other group. Uh, Group E, um, as my friend Fabian Sommer, Suma, um, as you know, I'm on the Hammer Betting Network, said to me about an hour ago, the World Cup doesn't officially start until tomorrow. Um, (laughs) Very much looking forward to uh, Germany, Costa Rica as a Germany fan. Germany sits bottom of the group on one point right now. Spain at the top of the group. They are by far massive favorites to win the group at this point at minus 1,600 uh, right there. In terms of qualification, Germans minus 500 to qualify, Japan plus 700, Costa Rica plus 800 at Betfred right now. These two individual games, Costa Rica, Germany, I'm not sure that there's a ton you can do with this other than looking at some sort of derivative bets in this game, unless you do feel like Costa Rica could potentially hold Germany to a draw or pull out some sort of result. Um, We saw it against Japan, even though they got badly outplayed in that game, they end up getting a result. And then later, uh, actually at the same time, I shouldn't say later, uh, at the same time, Japan and Spain. Again, Spain heavily favored here uh, by virtue of the fact that they only have the four points instead of the six. So this is a would be a meaningful game for them as well. Let's break these two down, guys. I'll start with you, Alex. Anything in particular you see with these Group E matches? Yeah, I think we talked about this the other day, but I... uh... I'm still a big fan of this German team. I mean, they haven't had a bad tournament despite the results not really looking too pretty. Um, They outplayed Spain. They thoroughly outplayed Japan. We're kind of unlucky not to be up 2-0, 3-0 before Japan, you know, made that comeback. Uh, I think they absolutely battered Costa Rica. You know, it's very uh, much a get-right spot for them where those goals finally start to go in. Costa Rica, I don't think we're actually going to see any bravery from them, but technically, you know, they they need a result to go through here. So like maybe they push on a little bit more than we've seen, but I think they get absolutely battered here. I think Germany like minus two and a half, um, even minus three. I think this could be like a four, nothing easy four nothing win for Germany to get through. And the other match, I'm just, I don't really have anything in it right now. I'm very interested to see the lineups for these teams, see how adventurous Japan are maybe going to be. Uh, I do think Japan can give them trouble though. Like Spain, you know, are they going to start Morata? Who's going to play up top? They're obviously able to boss possession and, you know, create chances. Are they able to convert those chances? Because Japan are going to be a threat on the break. And I think this could be a really fun game. And I don't think it's going to be that straightforward for Spain. I think uh, as far as the Germany game, just way too difficult for me to kind of pick this out. I think Costa Rica are not going to be adventurous. I think they're going to be looking to draw this one. It'll be reminiscent of the way they played against Spain. I don't think they're going to lose 7-0, but... I think they're going to sit very deep, 5-4-1, pray they get a point, just be super resilient. I think that's all they can really hope to do here after pulling out that win in the second match day. As far as the Spain-Japan game, Spain don't really need to win this to go through. They can get a draw here and assume Costa Rica is not going to pick up three points against Germany. I, I think they can safely assume that. So this could be an interesting one where Spain might be a little bit fearful to get overly adventurous in this game because they know Japan is already on those three points as well. So getting involved on a Japan handicap, double chance market might be somewhere I look to later on. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'm just looking at the bracket right now to see what the most likely outcomes are in terms of where the current standings uh, are and if there's any tournament value uh, in terms of futures looking forwards. Because I did mention, Alex, uh, I thought he brought up good points about how Germany's played so far and pretty unlucky to be sitting on one point. They would go to the bottom half of the bracket in all likelihood. Uh, England is already there. Uh, I believe Portugal has clinched the, clinched the group already, so they would be on that bottom half as well, and then France. Um, so you get a lot of the big European teams in the bottom there. Uh, I don't think that there's much separating those clubs from one another. France probably a step ahead in the betting markets, but Germany right now at uh, 12 to 1 to win the World Cup at Betfred. I kind of like the fact that they would be avoiding Brazil or Argentina in the top half of the bracket. I think that they would be live at that number. Yeah, I mean, defensively, can they do enough? Like, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but, like, there's there's a path for them for sure. There's definitely a path for them. And I think that we'll, we'll see. I mean, they might, like, maybe they even go and win this group. I don't know. Like, I mean, if, if you know, if Spain ended up, or I guess they can't actually technically win the group now, so that's a shame. But it would have been fun to see them up there. Yeah, but uh, but, I mean, I think they're, yeah, I think they're just, I just don't think they have enough defensively to really, go and actually win this tournament but they do have obviously the horses to make a bit of a deep run and you know depending on how the draw plays out like maybe pulling off like an upset or two along the way because i think they're going to be obviously very live against whoever does come out and win this group in uh in group f because i mean they'll probably be favored in that game no matter what the uh the odds have swung drastically in brazil's favorite in order to win in terms of winning the tournament they're plus 250 to win the world cup right now and obviously they've They've looked very good. Like we, we can't deny how, you know, teams aren't even generating chances against Brazil right now. Their squad is very deep, but you do get to a knockout round. It's one match. We've seen this happen like a million times in tournament play before. The best team is not always going to win. And if you look at just pure expected goals in this tournament, how many games have we seen? How many matches have we seen where the team that lost expected goals won the game? It's, it's very close to 50%. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. And then that kind of just shifts the rest of the market where you get France plus 550, Argentina 600, Spain plus 850, England plus 900, Portugal plus 1100, Germany plus 1200, Netherlands plus 1600. And I think, honestly, uh, Germany, Portugal even stands out to me at double digits as a team that is pretty deep. They can make a run. Uh, but it's it's like it's so wide open right now that I wouldn't have a problem with grabbing one of those teams that are roughly in the 10 to 1 range. Because I think there's just so many teams that are live at this point. Yeah, this going into this tournament, there wasn't a very clear-cut favorite. I, I think having watched Brazil now for two games, they they were the clear-cut favorite. And maybe I just didn't see that. But typically, we go into these tournaments, and there's one absolute superpower. France, going into that tournament, their expectation, not the expectation, but they were the favorites, and people knew it. I think this one, there wasn't really a clear-cut one. And it was a lot of parity around the countries, leading to a very entertaining World Cup. And I think quarterfinals onward, we're going to see that, especially like the results we've seen in the group stages. Like you just can't really predict these things. Like, I don't know if you were on the shows, but Rob, like four or five a.m. games in a row, I woke up and like looked at my phone and said, what the fuck, what the hell happened in the morning? (laughs) Because always something crazy I woke up to. 3-3 in Serbia, Cameroon. Costa Rica beats Japan. So as we get into these quarterfinal matchups, because that's where like the best teams are, the top eight there. Anybody can beat anybody once you get to the quarters, as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, Seth says in the chat, Portugal has arguably the most talent. The problem is that they have Ronaldo wasting four chances a game, unfortunately, up front as well. Scored um, two nice goals yesterday. Uh, oh. <laughs> as I much mean. like I get, like we talked about how maybe they're better off without him. You, I, I just feel like if, if the big chance is there, he's a guy who can just, he'll just bury it and it'll be all about him, of course. But I, I, I can't understand to a degree why he's there, but tactically speaking, maybe not. Tactically, get Raphael out in the starting 11, which I don't <sighs> even think they're going to do still. <laughs> I know. That, that makes no sense to me. Uh, in the comments, the S says, not sure I understand your point, re-expected goals. Isn't it normally a good predictor of who won and who, who will win moving forwards? Uh, I'm using it to point to the volatility of the sport, just in general, and that soccer is very random. Uh, you tend to see this in sports that are more lower scoring where there's fewer scoring events like basketball as an example is less random because there's a lot of scoring events there's a lot of buckets you don't see as many underdogs win in that type of sport in soccer um, because of the volatility there's such few chances over the course of a game you will see more upsets and people just can't think about they, they can't they can't fathom that in their head right that brazil can generate 10 shots to some other teams one and that one can go in the net. Um, so that's that's sort of what I was speaking to. Yeah, and to that as well, I I think for like when you look at expected goals in hockey, eventually, like you'd think that's going to sort of, you know, weigh out over time, and things are going to sort of level out. But in soccer, it's a little different because you have teams that are never going to win the expected goals. Like you have, I mean, you have a Japan going against a Germany. Like obviously, Germany dominated dominated that one. But like Japan was always going to come into that game, sit back a little bit more. You know, same thing with with you have like a Saudi Arabia against an Argentina. I mean, it's, it's always going to be a little bit skewed. You're going to have, you know, a team that's going to pepper maybe 15, 17 attempts towards goal. Um, maybe it's going to accumulate a little bit faster, whether they're actually good quality chances or not remains to be seen because, you know, maybe you have like 10 guys behind the ball, something's getting blocked, something's sort of, you know, it's missing the net because you're trying to snatch at something. But like, I'm a little bit, I weigh that a little bit less in soccer than I would in a different sport, like say hockey. I also want to mention that XG is not like the be-all, end-all of statistics. As you mentioned, game plan-wise, maybe you're going to face less shots, but the quality of those shots. So if you take 10 low-quality shots, that could accumulate to a higher XG than a team that got one clear-cut opportunity that they manufactured. So it's not the golden standard of statistics on how a team looks. There's just various ways to win a game. And like tactically speaking, like you can be the worst team and get a win by outclassing a team just by soaking up the pressure pushing in transition like jose Mourinho has done it for for decades now so it's not just all about xg plain and simple yes um yeah i mean i can go on about xg for years i mean i obviously bet hockey myself and i study it there's consistently going to be players that outperform their xg because they're good finishers there's going to be continuously be players that underperform lots of times uh, in a lot of the public models the pass before the shot is not accounted for. The positioning of the keeper is not accounted for. So there's a lot that goes into it that I think there's a lot of... Uh, uh, by the way, I'm a huge proponent of XG. I'll always look at it. I always think it's something that you should be aware of, but sure. it's also not a perfect metric. I'm just um, very oh, happy we do not have a uh, deserve to win meter yet for soccer, oh. and I hope we never do. <laughs> if I had yeah, to those see are... those all over Twitter after, uh, after a game, I, I would lose it. Oh man, there, there's not uh, Canada, Belgium would have hurt me in some yeah. <laughs> if I had to if I saw a deserve to win a meter for for that specific game. Um, all right, guys, um, let's get into best bets for tomorrow. Stuff that you're laying your down your money on. Anything that stands out to you. We'll start uh, with Jacob. 
So this match day, I, I wasn't thrilled with the betting going into it. I haven't made anything specifically yet, as I do. I do have something for Friday. Going, I, I, I can't really lay down a specific thing I'm going to give out. I, I can imagine myself getting involved with Japan on a handicap or double chance. Nothing yet, again. And it, it'll be really tough. It, it's, it's tough to get me to not bet on Morocco here. It, it's tough to get me to not bet on Morocco. Just... I, I like I, I hate betting against my own team, but like they're already out, so doesn't really matter. And also, the I, I don't mind the emotional hedge from time to time. If Canada get a result, great. If they don't, oh, I win my bet. So those are the markets I'm looking at. Traitor to the country, deport this, <laughs> deport this man, um, Alex. I uh, so right now I'm I'm sitting on those two futures in uh, the Canada group with Morocco and Belgium. So I'm just gonna sort of sit that out for now until I see some lineups before I lock anything in. Both of the plays I really like right now would come in the Costa Rica Germany group. Um, on Betfred, you see the handicap three way, which is Germany minus two at minus one thirty six, which is the equivalent of basically minus two and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I would, I would lay that with them. And then in the uh, Spain and Japan game, you have the under two and a half at plus 100 right now on Betfred. And that's another look that I, I really like. All right. Those are from the actual experts. Now you're getting plays from the guy who is just throwing darts at the board during the World <laughs> Cup, uh, trying to find something that sticks. Uh, obviously, Japan at this point, uh, their odds to qualify are, you know, they're seven to one. They have to push forward against Spain. They have to do something in that match. Can't just kind of sit back and hope to absorb pressure. Uh, I don't think that's going to end well for them. Um, I'm taking Ferran Torres anytime goal scorer at plus 110 tomorrow. He is kind of like the staple that's always starting in the lineup regardless. Mm-hmm. They kind of move other people around. Uh, but Alvaro Morata is always favored for Spain uh, in terms of anytime goal scorer market. And lots of times he doesn't even start the matches for them. Asensio starts as that starts as the false nine. Uh, I think Ferran Torres has looked very, very dangerous in this tournament. And uh, I'll back him to get a goal tomorrow at plus 110. I think that they can do some damage against Japan. What What's the situation if Japan get a draw here? Because if they draw and Germany wins by one, I'm looking at the goals for it would it would come down to how much Germany beats Costa Rica by. Oh, so, okay. so Japan would be at zero on goal difference. So okay, I Germany, see. So a draw and Germany win by two and Germany are through. Correct. Even, if, even a win okay. by one, if it's like 2-1, then they're through on goals four. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking Japan might be able to draw and get through, but based on now knowing that, I, I don't. I'm thinking I'm going to stay away from Japan. When they go at halftime into the room and they see that Germany is up 3 nothing, then, you know... Oh, that, then it's second half over one and a half in yeah. Japan, Spain, because they're going to yeah. get carved for three goals in the second half. I, I think yeah. I, I was just thinking about something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of like, um, you know, I, again, let's do the pat on the back, but I played the second half overs at one and a half in these late games today. And it was just like root for chaos, right? As soon as one thing happens in one of those matches, shit's going to go off the rails. And it was the perfect scenario because Argentina scored so quickly out of the gate at the half. And it was just like, okay, here we go type of and situation. And Mexico too. You got two of goals course. within the first like 90 seconds of each half. But Japan needing, essentially needing three points. Uh, yeah, it just it just gets them into a game state where I think Spain could probably open them up at some point. Spain has a lot of good passers on their team. Uh, they can hit 
they can hit them hard in that situation. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with Ferran Torres and then I will monitor live as well. But, but exactly like you guys said, if Germany is, is pumping Costa Rica at the half, which is within the realm of possibilities, uh, then I'll probably be on that second half over in Japan and Spain because it's, it's going to get chaotic, I think. All right. Uh, for those who asked via my Twitter DMs about the drunken goon, Adrian, he is hmm. back from Qatar. He actually lost his voice in the uh, Canada-Croatia game. It's slowly coming back to him. We will have him back on as soon as that is good to go. Uh, he will rejoin our team, hopefully tomorrow, if not tomorrow, on Friday. And we do some have some other personalities on deck. Everyone enjoy the games tomorrow. And of course, check out Betfred. Um, you know, they're the sponsor of this program. We, you know, we're big fans of their sports book in general, whether it's World Cup, whatever you want to do, make sure you check them out. This has been Fine Margins on the Hammer Betting Network presented by Betfred, and we will see everyone tomorrow. Peace.